If you're a farmer and you want to know something, anything about climate change, well, you're in luck as Farmers for Climate Action are coming to the Goulburn Valley and they're coming with a bang. First, they'll be at the Seymour Alternative Farming Expo on April 1, 2 and 3. And then they'll take a roadshow that will go through Seymour, Euroa, Kyabram, Shepparton, Echuca, Yarrawonga. This episode of Climate Conversations is something of a mixture. First, we talk with the events manager from McPherson Media, Jamie Gilbert. And Jamie has played a key role in setting up the Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. The Seymour event is on April 1, 2 and 3. That's Friday, Saturday and Sunday. And Farmers for Climate Action will have a stand at that event for all three days. And later in this podcast, we'll get to talk to Farmers for Climate Action's Outreach Officer, Peter Holding. He will explain what's happening in Seymour and then talk about the roadshow that is set up to visit six venues in the Goulburn Valley. Welcome to this latest episode of Climate Conversations. I'm your host, Robert McLean, and I'm coming to you from Shepparton in Victoria, Australia, from the lands of the Yorta Yorta people. Yes, the stolen lands of the Yorta Yorta people, and I pay my respects to their elders, past, present and emerging. I've been involved with the practical side of the climate conversation since the early 2000s. That's attending lectures and reading whatever I could find. And although the public interest has broadened as the years have passed, it became apparent to me a few years ago that much more needed to be said. And it was important, terribly important, that we were making much more noise. Unsure of what to do to reach more people, I decided to try my hand, or should I say more correctly, my voice, at podcasting. And what you're listening to now is the result of those efforts. There appeared to be a great silence about the climate crisis, and this podcast is an effort by me to increase the volume of my voice, and so help end that silence. Fortunately, it was not as silent as I had thought, as many other podcasts were beavering away and were attempting to alert the world to the climate crisis. And several months ago, I was found, so to speak, by Mark Spencer from the Climactic Collective. Music for this podcast comes courtesy of Music for a Warming World, a Melbourne-based group, and you'll find a link to that group in the episode notes. I trust you'll enjoy this episode, and if you do, please feel free to share it with your friends. talk with Jamie Gilbert who has played a key role in setting up the Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. Is it a McPherson Media event? Yeah, so it's owned by McPherson Media Group. Um, the, the business that actually owns it is called MMG Events, Proprietary Limited, so which is a subsidiary company of, of Shaw Shepherd Newspapers. So, And so how long have you been running it? So we've owned the event since 2015. But it's 31 um, years old, I understand, isn't it? Yeah, that's a funny one. So it's it's 30 it's 30 years of the expo, but there's, this is the 31st event. Oh, okay. Because so, obviously your first event is like on zero. You actually got your first event the, the first time you run. So, <coughs> so yeah, so it's celebrating its 30th year. 
Yeah. 30 years of the 30 years, but we're, yeah, this will be the 31st event. And from what I can so, read, last year you moved it to April, and that was a bit yeah. of a change, wasn't it? Something. Yeah, so that was really COVID in COVID uh, enforced or COVID restriction enforced. So we looked at it in sort of November and went, we just don't see how we're going to get approval from the government to be able to execute this in February. It just looked really difficult, and that was sort of yeah back in well October November 2020. So, um, so we made a conscious decision to move the date of the event, um, thinking that. Um, maybe things will be a bit clearer in April and in fact they were and we were able to run a really successful event in April um, and the weather was very kind to us. Um, the event was extremely successful in April so we're giving it another crack in April uh, this year as well and uh, it doesn't suit all of our exhibitors but it does suit the majority of our exhibitors. So um, yeah, so we'll just we'll see how that goes for 2022 but that, that it would most likely be a long-term uh, a long-term change to a sort of a more um, autumn-based event. You mentioned exhibitors. How many of them do you have, Jamie? So we've got about 400 exhibitors, give or take, um, across about 350 sites. So, so some exhibitors do share sites and, and bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, but about, about 400 different companies on site um, across the uh, across the space at Kings Park. So has it grown a fair bit? Um, look, I think it, it certainly has from a from a few different viewpoints, certainly exhibitors have grown a little bit. Um, we, we got fairly, we had a lot of lot less exhibitors in twenty twenty one last year, and that was really COVID based. We had a lot of businesses that sort of couldn't attend, uh, weren't prepared to attend, based on uh, based on the the pandemic, or didn't have stock and bits and pieces. So we're probably not quite back to our full potential as we've been prior to the pandemic, but we're certainly a lot closer. To that this year so but i think the growth that we've seen is uh is certainly in patronage of people coming through the gates but also the um i suppose the attractions and the, and the programming that we do so the we live the money that we invest to uh to make sure people have a really fun day at the event and we've got some new sort of programming this year which is um we've got the um north victorian axemen doing wood shopping competitions this year, and we've also got some agricultural drone demonstrations. So on the main oval, so this, and we've invested heavily in both of those this year to really um, bring a new element to the event. Is there is there one event of the whole three days that appeals to you mostly? Um, I think the for me, it's the education sessions that I, I, I find the most appealing um, to go and listen to. When I get time, uh, you know, when I'm when I'm not managing the event, we, I try and sneak into some of those. So listening to um, you know, people talking about you know building houses with hemp or how to how to run a successful bee colony in your backyard, um, you know, how to farm chooks. So some of those sort of more, I suppose, alternative farming sessions. And then uh, I always try and sneak in and listen to some of our um, some of our more pure agricultural sessions, which are the which are run by the Seymour Ag Society, which is about um, you, know, you know farming cattle, farming alpacas. Um, animal health, nutrition, and that sort of stuff. So they're probably the things that I think, I suppose, separates our event a bit from other things. The ones that I get the most excited about is just finding new businesses to come and, um, you know, grab an audience and let them just talk about what it is that they're doing and, and how that benefits the people that are coming to the event. I just looked at your website and it's not too bad, is it? And the program yeah. that falls out. Yeah. So. yeah, so we just loaded the program before. Um, we've, just, we've got a bit more to go just to load up this week to – Put a bit more content in there now we've sort of finished all our all our official program work but um yeah it's a lot happening um yeah we um 
we're a small team, but we put a lot of effort into um, trying to sort of, create, I suppose, create the best show that appeals to a, a vast audience. Um, you know, we, we think that, you know, and you'll see that in the program that, that you know, if you're a mum and dad with kids on a quarter acre block in, you know, in Seymour or in Shepparton or in Yarrawonga, you, you'll get something out of the event. And if you're, a, you know, actually come from a small or medium sized farm, you'll get a, a, even more out of the event as well. So there's really you know, something in it for everyone. And that's the way we try and sort of try and build the show to make sure it's it's got a wide appeal and it's not just just an egg show or just a you know a carnival show. It's uh, it's got a lot in it for everyone. So where do the people come from? Any idea? Yeah, well, we've done a lot of survey work over um, since we took over the event back in 2015. So um, the results are fairly consistent, and and it's a so roughly works out to be about. 60, 55 to sixty percent of our audience comes from north, from Seymour or north of Seymour, and and the and the remaining sort of come from south of Seymour. So the outskirts of Melbourne, you know, Macedon Ranges, Yarra Valley, that you know, those sort of outlying areas. You know, a few from Melbourne come come through, and then obviously the north north Seymour and north of Seymour is really sort of mapping that sort of Goulburn Valley, um, and northeast Victoria. So. Um, Surprisingly, we get a lot of people from sort of that Yarrawonga, Albury-Wodonga, sort of, you know, that sort of Wangaratta region. So um, probably more of a showcase of the top farms that are up that way. Does your event compete with any other events? I think it does. Um, you know, there's there's obviously some larger agricultural shows. So the week before our event this year, there's Farmwell down at Warrigal. Um uh, it's a diff- it's it's a you know it's an event that's agricultural based and a field day. Um, we probably have different audiences, but I, I think the, the biggest competition really comes from what are people going to spend their money on that weekend? Are they going to come to Seymour? Are they going to go to the footy in Melbourne? Are they going to go to uh, you know what other things can they do to you know can they do to invest their money mm. um, instead of coming to Seymour? So that's really where we feel that um, you know our competitors are. What else could you be doing? Um, you know, I think the International Flower and Garden shows on uh, in the lead up to our event, so as well. So that's a fairly significant event in Melbourne. So you know, we've, we've got lots of different levels of competition. Um, agricultural shows being one of those. You're an alternative alternative expo, aren't you? So like, you you focus that's, on alternative type events and things. Uh. Yeah, that's where the that's where the traditional event has been built by uh, by Colin and Bev Stray, the previous owners that we purchased the event off. Um, and they've done a fantastic job in probably a really sweet spot at that time where um, alternative and diversification of farming was um, was extremely strong and there was lots of uh, new and interesting ideas. And, you know, that's sort of the, you know, the alpacas and emus and, um, you know, tree plantations and almonds and olives and, you know, some of those things that we probably weren't well known for in Australia at that time. So that was 1991 that event started. So... I think what's happened is solar energy was a massive part of, of, of the event early on. Um, a lot of these things have turned mainstream or have become um, not alternative anymore. Um, so I think our biggest challenge as an event is always to try and find things that are either alternative or um, help farmers diversify their financial interest on farm. Um, and that's always our biggest challenge each year because uh, there's not as many of those sort of burgeoning industries as there once was. How many people turn up? So we get generally get between eighteen to twenty thousand patrons across the three days. Um, 
And then there's obviously, uh, you know, there's exhibitors, we, you know, across the event. There's probably two to two and a half thousand exhibitors on site across the event. Um, you know, each site has, you know, between two to two to four people per site. Um, so, yeah, but from a patronage point of view, it's about 20, yeah, 18 to 20,000. Last year was was a, was a touch over 20,000, so, um, which we thought was a pretty strong, pretty strong event and, um very big for the for the town of Seymour. Um, yeah, it's the biggest event in the Mitchell Shire, and the Mitchell Shire actually starts from uh, from just north of Craigieburn, effectively. So um, yeah, it's it's certainly a large show. Is there something else you'd like to say about the expo? Oh, look, I think we. The, the, I think the main thing that we like to try and get across is is the impact that. I suppose this event and our commitment to the Seymour, you know, to the Seymour town for this event and what it brings to Seymour, which I think um, sometimes is a little bit missed. Um, you know, we engage in, I think it's about 30 different community groups um, who all get the chance to benefit financially from getting involved with us in the expo. And that could be from cooking a barbecue to delivering farm lectures and helping us, you know, from the Seymour Ag Society, helping us with our cattle Um to the you know the the footy club who runs our bar for us and a barbecue and this year we've got uh, you know we've got the junior footy club involved as well we've got the scouts we've got the swimming clubs and we've got a lot of different community groups um, RSL Rotary that our our event financially benefits the Seymour Township in a really significant way and and, and that's probably the story that we like to also get across because the events the events fantastic it's been running for a long time. We think it's um you know it's going it, it gets stronger and stronger every year but I think it's the impact that we make in that community um that uh, I think is the biggest uh, is the biggest part of what we do and um you know we, and where we spend our money um even this year we've um you know we've we've got most of our marquees being done via local Seymour supplier um they've always been working with us but we've uh, we've we had it split across a couple of different menu a couple of different businesses and now we've brought it all back so. So the guys in Seymour at uh, at the Marquee High Place in Seymour have um, you know got got the whole of our business now, which is and fantastic for their business too, because we do invest quite a lot in infrastructure to build that event. So um, you know we we built our own ticket boxes this year because we couldn't hire them anymore. So um, you know and all that work's been done by uh, two local Seymour businesses pretty much who um, you know who we're investing the money with, and we bought the we bought the existing. Um, site building off a uh, off a family in Seymour. So, you know, everything we do is to try and benefit the Seymour community um, as best we can. And obviously, as a media group, we own um, we have assets in Seymour. We own the Seymour Telegraph, and so we're very pretty committed to the to the township as well. Thank you, Jamie. It should be an exciting and fulfilling three days at Seymour on April one, two, and three. That's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. You'll find a link to the expo in the show notes. Farmers for Climate Action is a national organisation with a burgeoning membership and it will be represented at the three-day Seymour event. A research officer with Farmers for Climate Action, Peter Holding, was kind enough to have a chat with me about what was happening at Seymour. We got off to a bit of a shaky start though because Peter was talking about a roadshow that his organisation is bringing to the Goulburn Valley. We finally got on to the Seymour event However, I'll put a link to Farmers for Climate Action in the show notes and you can find out the details of the Goulburn Valley Roadshow along with learning something about the group itself. So hopefully you can sort this all out. Let's have a listen now. Right. <clears throat> well, the the whole concept of the expo is to have small, somewhat intimate meetings with our members. Um, so that's why we're having 
uh, six meetings in the Goulburn Valley, and they're not that far apart, but we could do it in one huge meeting, except we wouldn't be able then to have you know, the uh, sort of discussions we want to have with our members to find out what their real issues are. So we're going to have six meetings and we're going to probably get somewhere between 15, 20 people at each meeting, I would imagine, maybe a few more. Mm. Hopefully it won't be too many. Um, so what will actually happen at those events? Oh, well, the same as we did up in um, the Northern Rivers just before the floods hit. We're, we're trying to... Um, we're trying to build the resilience of people in the face of climate change, but we, we do that by um, making sure they're connected, letting them know what we can and what we can't do, um, and trying to um, build a network so that when something happens or they have an issue, we know how to uh, advance that issue in their area. Uh, it's all about just getting to know our members, really. It's about... Um, how many of these events are you having? Uh, we're having six. And where are they? Where are they, uh, Pete? They're in Seymour, Uroa, Shepparton, Echuca, Yarrawonga and Kyabram. And are they free to, for people to attend? Oh, yeah, they're, they're free to anybody who wants to come along. you got to um, – yes, we would like people to RSVP, uh, only so that we can organise catering and – how big a room and all that sort of stuff. You can RSVP through your Farmers of Climate Action website, I assume. Through the, through the website, yeah. Yeah, if you haven't, I've sent out um, letters to all our members in the area. Um, so you, so anybody should have got one of those. Are you in that area or not? Well, I've already registered for the one in Shepparton, so. Oh, okay. So, yes. Yeah. So anybody who wants to register can Either if they're not members, they're in, you know perfectly free to come along. It doesn't cost anything to become a member either. Um, they can look up the uh, Farmers for Climate Action website, go to the events page, and they will see it there, Goulburn Valley. So will there anything specific be talked about? or? Well, not specifically. Um, no, not really. Um, we're open to a wide range of discussion. I mean, one of the issues is that... Um, the issues vary depending on where you are in, in the state or in the country. Um, we're trying to work. We've just got a new strategic plan that's working on community engagement and working on um, connecting with politicians. And, connect, you know, the other thing we want to do is community-based uh, renewable energy. But we need to find out if our farmer members actually want that to happen or if they do, can we assist them in it? Do you have any farmer members in the Goldwood Valley? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I don't know exactly how many. I'd have to look it up, but um, There's yeah, lots. we would have sent out, oh, I don't know. We drew we drew circles around the town, and I think we there'd be thousands. Oh, there'd really? Be, there'd be probably, probably a thousand at least. I, I could yeah. tell you if I yeah. could have worked it out. Yeah. But we have done a lot of work in that area, sort of through central Victoria. Gippsland's and other areas got a lot. So beyond anything else, it's about telling these farmers, we've got your back. Yeah, but we want to be honest about that. Um, you know, we're a small organisation and we're working on climate change. You know, if you want something done about sheep genetics, well, best go to MLA or somebody like that. Yes. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, there's a limit to what we can do. But, mm. yeah, we, we, we um, 
we do try and help our members. If we if members ring us up and they have a problem that we can't solve, we try and find somebody who can and put them in touch. Yeah, yeah. yeah Pete, can you tell me about what's happening at Seymour, the alternative farm, alternative farming expo? Yes. Well, we've got a stall there, and we're we're we'll be manning that. I don't know much about what the actual expo is going to do. I'm not involved in organising that. No, I appreciate that. I'm just. The farming thing is just again providing a service for the, for the members the members of your organisation. So, yeah, yeah, like that's that's what we're trying to do. I mean, it's a very um, uh, well, it's a very stressful time. I think for a lot of farmers, there's high costs, and you know, some areas are still having dry periods, and others have got too much water. So, yeah, yeah, you know, we need to work out what we can do to help those farmers. Do we need to um, put them in touch with? the various state government bodies that are helping them or do we need to um, organise meetings with their local member to uh, let them know what's, what they need? I've been co-opted to help with the uh, Farmers for Climate Action stand at Seymour. I'm not a farmer, but I have a deep interest in climate matters. I'm sure we can explore many, many issues, issues that concern the farmer and issues that concern the non-farmer, issues which I feel are closely intertwined. And in talking with Peter about being on the FCA stand, he said, Try and let them know that we have a lot of resources. So when it, we're a science-based organisation. So if you've got a scientific problem, give us a call or talk to us about it because yeah. um, we know lots of scientists in CSIRO and ANU and Melbourne University all over the place. When you say uh, give us a call, the number they should call will be on the website, I imagine. Ah, uh, yeah, or call me. Okay. Either way, um, so, I do. I do. I do most of the uh, most of that sort of call. So if you call in the to the info line, or you go in through the website, it'll eventually find its way to my desk. Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Okay. All right. So if anybody wants to, if anybody's got an agricultural question they want to discuss. I'm happy to discuss it with them. Mm. Oh, that's great. Um, other than that, you know, we, we want people to um, probably read our supply chain uh, report and before everybody tells us that we produce enough food for 60 million people, which I've been told for the last 40 years, going mm. to uni, that's a, that is in fact the case, but we sell it to the highest bidder, so there's an awful lot of people even in Australia who are now struggling to... So it's sort of effectively going overseas or somewhere or? Oh, yeah, most of our wheat and milk grain. Like we, our major products are wool, wheat and, and meat. Mm. Nearly all of it goes overseas. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's why people are saying, oh, you know, we're, we're all going veggie. Well, yeah, people are looking after their health and eating less meat. But there's a fair component of I can't afford to eat it in five days a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, you try yeah. paying $50 a kilo, you won't eat it every day for every meal. Yeah, I heard a, heard a bloke on the radio yesterday said he just had a couple of bits of felt steak, cost him 35 bucks or something. Yeah, and that would be reasonably cheap. Yeah, that's, that's, what, that's, what, that's what I thought. I thought, yeah, it's not too bad. <laughs> <laughs> the, the price of meat is going through the roof. So, yeah, like people will eat more beans and lentils and things like that which Australian farmers are starting to grow more of. But, yeah, most of our stuff, like all the, all the split um, split lentils, most of them go to um, 
either go overseas to be processed and they're then brought back, which is something we'd like to see changed. We'd like to see more more processing like SPC and Shepparton done yeah. in Australia. Mm. Um, mainly for jobs and shortage of supply chain and security and all those sorts of things. But uh, all they send the raw material over, like all our wheat. A fair bit of our bread is made from wheat that we grow that goes to Indonesia to be turned into flour and comes back here to be made into bread. I mean, it's just <laughs> kind of stupid, isn't it? <laughs> it's pretty crazy, isn't it? <laughs> pretty crazy. <laughs> Make a note in your diary. Do it now. You don't want to forget. The Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, April 1, 2 and 3. The Seymour Alternative Farming Expo. Something really different and something worth getting along to. Climate Conversations is published with the support of the Mark Spencer published Climactic Collective. And it's just one of more than 20 podcasts making up that collective. More about the collective and the associated podcasts can be found at climactic.fm. Music for Climate Conversations is from the Melbourne-based group Music for a Warming World. You can find a link to that group in the episode notes. Responsibility for Climate Conversations rests with me. But you could help with the questions. And if there is something specific that needs addressing, but the question is not being asked of whom it should be asked, please make a suggestion and send it to r.mclean7 at icloud.com. Earlier episodes of Climate Conversation can be found at the Climactic website. Simply search for climactic.fm. Go to the Climate Conversations artwork, click on that, and there you will find all the earlier episodes. Beyond that, and in all this climate chaos, remember just a few things. Put your faith in genuine climate science. Also, action is the best antidote to despair, and that, I must add, is one of the drivers of this podcast. And remember, be kind, for everyone you meet is fighting a great battle. That ends this episode of Climate Conversations. Thanks so much for your company, and until we talk again, please take care. Thank you.